2: you're listening to the pastor scott show podcast have any questions or comments email pastor scott now at pastor scott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m and now here's pastor scott Welcome back, everybody. Pastor
1: Scott Show, Hour 2. We're on every day from 3 to 5. We take issues of the day and talk about them from a Christian perspective. And so we take a look at the news and see what's going on. President Biden is in Maui, or was in Maui, briefly, to uh, tour what happened there. That's a—it is a terrible thing. If you're not really following the news, it happened almost three weeks ago, the fire that happened in Maui that burned um, uh, down—what's the name of the town? It should have in front of me. But Lanai— And they are saying that 115 people have died and 850 people are missing still. The entire town burned down. And some of those people missing, they might just be out of town or in a shelter somewhere and they don't know their name is on a list. But some are suggesting that they may have all died, almost 1,000 people. That is an extraordinary disaster. Um, and as far as a, I have to look, but, uh, one of the biggest natural disasters in American history is this fire. President Biden has been criticized in a slow personal response to the fire. And, uh, last week he said, uh, when asked about the fire to make a comment, he said no comment. And that was not a good comment to make a comment. Anybody, I think if you just go ask anybody, anybody in our audience, if you were to make a comment about the fire, imagine your president. And uh, somebody said, uh, Mr. President, uh, Madam President, would you make a a comment about the fire? You'd be able to say something. We feel deeply, we feel great loss, and we feel uh, very great compassion for those who have lost their loved ones and lost their homes and lost their way of life, and our prayers are with them, and we look forward to being with them and comforting them, and I ask all Americans to continue to pray and support. You know, you could come up with something off the top of your head. No comment. It just sort of made me think, maybe he doesn't know. Maybe he doesn't. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. Like, he ought to know, but maybe they didn't tell him how bad it was. It's such an odd thing. So here's what I want to get to. Do you expect the president to be good at empathy? Does the president of the United States, not necessarily, not just Joe Biden, but any president, need to have empathy? So there's this argument going on right now about whether or not President Biden has empathy. And you can be the judge of it, but here he goes to Hawaii, and uh, in speaking with people, uh, he decides to tell this story.
0: I don't want to compare difficulties, but we have a little sense, Jill and I, what it's like to lose a home. Years ago, now 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. It was a sunny Sunday. And lightning struck at home on a little lake that's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond, and hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. To make a long story short, I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, (laughs) and my cat.
1: He's telling a story about what turned out to be basically a kitchen fire that was put out in a few minutes and he didn't lose that much. He had to replace some things in the house and there was some smoke damage, but he didn't lose anything. And so what's happening is he's speaking to people who have lost their entire way of life and they have lost loved ones and there's huge numbers of children who are missing and are probably literally in the ashes of that place. So the the weight of what happened here doesn 't seem to be coming across, so he 's getting criticized um, for this pretty seriously, and then there are some who are trying to uh, defend him. This is Jim Messina, who was barack obama 's two thousand and twelve campaign manager, and he was a deputy uh, White House Uh, chief of staff at one point in the Obama administration defending President Biden's stories.
3: I'm not sure we're going to agree on this one, Bill. Uh, I think his empathy, his stories, his way he connects with voters are why he won the 2020 presidential election. It's why he's going to win again next time. He he has empathy and a connection with voters that press and D.C. pundits like me don't fully give him enough credit for. And I think this kind of thing is the way your neighbor would talk to you. And it's why
0: people like him. Uh, Jim, this was, with all due respect, it was a kitchen fire that was put out within 20 minutes, and he's standing there in absolute devastation, where the people around him, if they are alive, they have lost everything.
3: Look, I think it's how he connects with people. I think it's his way of connecting and telling a personal story. And I've been with him on the ground where he does this, and people connect with it. I, I just... You know i don't i don't think we
1: agree here i don't think it's going too well personally for the president here i don't believe that that story was appropriate and he tells it all the time You can go online he tells that story every time there's some kind of uh thing i think he's trying to empathize he's saying oh look this happened to us uh but it's not it's not nowhere close to the same thing and many residents in hawaii were very disappointed here's another uh lahana uh, maui resident
4: and you know as far as um building uh a better community or better homes than what...
1: He came and said, uh, we're going to build back better. That's kind of his theme, which he he got, by the way, from Boris Johnson in England. But then's the breaks. He got uh, build back better from him after the COVID. So he went to Maui, and one of the things he said to people was, we're going to build back better.
4: And, you know, as far as um, building uh, a better community or better homes than what we have, I unfortunately didn't like that um but because only because um like for our Kupuna and the lahaina family and for a lot of people that had lost what they had lost um there's no replacing that there's no better there's no new there's no better than that you know um and you know forgive me if i might have misunderstood him but yeah that that, it, that didn't sit very well with my heart when he said that
1: Yeah, Yeah. unfortunately, it's not the right thing. So I'm asking this because I want to know what you think about it. Does it matter? Is this an important part of his job? Would he have been better or any president when there's a disaster? Do they need to show up? President Biden was criticized for not showing up when that train derailed in Ohio and spilt all that stuff. And that still hasn't been really taken care of out there. Is that legit or not? Do we need our leaders to have this kind of empathy as a skill? Most of them have had that skill. Most presidents actually been very good at it. And I think what's interesting about that is in order to become president, you have to be able to connect with people pretty well. Joe Biden's presidency in the covid and the mail ballots and in really no campaign, um, nothing was normal about 2020 in the way all of that was conducted. And uh, maybe that's the difference. Or maybe it's just with age, he's just not quite connecting the same way. Maybe it's true that he used to do that better. Whatever the case is, do you think it matters? Is it up to him? You know, if something were to happen, let's say this storm we just had in Southern California, which if you're in the Inland Empire, you're in uh, Palm Springs and the desert areas, it was pretty bad. There's some pretty terrible things that people are dealing with in some communities in California. And, uh, you know, we are – the president's not going to come out to that. Maybe the governor will do that. Does Governor Newsom need to come out? And is he going to have to show empathy? Is that going to determine – have anything to do with how well people recover? My opinion is that it does. I think that leaders need to show empathy and not just – presidents and governors, but all of us, when we find ourselves in a position where we have some kind of leadership, whether it be in our company, if we are a manager or in a role of authority at, uh, you know, a volunteer organization that we're at, sometimes when there are disasters or when people go through hard things and you find yourself in that conversation, you find yourself in a situation where you should go visit or you should, uh, you know, maybe they're waiting for you. Um, I think it matters. I think it really does matter. I think it's part of leadership. And I say this, and if you're saying, well, I'm not a leader, it doesn't matter for me. Everybody's a leader. Okay, listen, every single person listening to our show, you're a leader to a certain extent. There are people who you influence. Uh, John Maxwell, one of my favorite guys, when he writes about leadership, he just makes it very simple leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. You have influence over people. You really do. Um, there are If you decide that you're not going to shower for a few days and then you decide to ride the train or get on the bus or go to church and sit next to somebody, you're going to influence those people that you're sitting by to get another seat. You will. That's the, the least I can even think of as far as the influence. But you will influence. And I think it matters for all of us in community, in relationships um where does this start does the president have to be good at empathy do leaders does your boss at work have to be good at empathy i'm not talking about day-to-day things i'm talking about tragedies i'm talking about when the hard times come what do you think 888-528-2557 888-528-2557 ike in los angeles welcome to the pastor scott show
5: hey good to talk to you pastor scott
1: hi ike how are you today
5: i'm doing fine by the grace of god um I am really concerned about uh, criticism of uh, the president. Uh, you know, it, it seems like uh, some people are insinuating that he's not uh, empathetic enough. You, you and I know that, you know, we are human and we empathize differently. Mm. You know, there are some people that when they come to you, when you are going through grief, they can sit down. Just their mere presence satisfy that need for you to, you know, feel that somebody cares. They don't have to do a lot. They don't have to say a lot. But just being there at that moment may be all that you need. And a few stories about some things that you have gone through, it may not be at the magnitude of what happened in Hawaii, but it has some significance because it could have been worse for the president and the family. Somebody could have died. The whole house could have wiped out. But it didn't. Thank God for that. So I don't think that it's really right for us to uh, try to balance the amount of, you know, know, harm that someone experienced in order to judge whether they're empathetic or not.
1: I think it's fair to say that people do need to... Some people are naturally good at it. Some people have to learn lessons. Um, And I'll tell you what, I think that it's important that he went. Uh, He might not have been a home run with some things with some people, but uh, I think what you said about being present is something for all of us to recognize, that part of uh, being compassionate and having empathy is to show up uh, to actually be there. Would you agree with that? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Our, Ike, thank you for calling Pastor Scott show. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Craig in Echo Park. Welcome to the Pastor Scott show.
5: Hey, how are you doing? Uh, I, I don't know if the new caught the subtext from Hawaii might have been mentioning, but there had been a big push in Lahaina to have urban renewal and redevelop the entire city. And I don't know if you're into the smart or aware of the smart city thing, but... Lahaina well, is one of those cities that's targeted for being a smart city. And although this is too monstrous or cool to think of, but the guy who's Obama's pointee regulating the water, he didn't allow them to have water to fight any fires. Well, and a, I've been on Maui yeah. when they had a fire right in the same but area. Are you, it burned down the
1: road. But I don't believe and that they did that on purpose. All the time. I, I so, think they might be incompetent. I think they might be incompetent, but I don't think there's a deliberate move to burn down that town. Uh, I I don't think that that is the case, Craig. On that, I think that there for sure is incompetence, and uh, for sure there is there are probably people who are separate from this emotionally who are seeing some dollar signs with the redevelopment. I think that is is also true, but I don't think it's wise or helpful to go down the road of. You know, some kind of monstrous conspiracy um, when fires do happen and fires do when the the winds are there to burn down the town. I mean, that's uh, uh, we've seen some pretty terrible fires here in this state where a lot of people have died because of wind and other stuff. And, you know, um, for sure, there's a, a human element of evil with what to do with the uh, the the mess Um, but that's not really on the topic right now. 888-528-2557. Jean in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show.
4: Yes, I just had a comment about how so many people nowadays, you can't see how you feel, and you get shut out. And I'm shut out, out of my family because I'm Republican, and I think the Democrats are the least tolerant people. They hate Trump. This Trump derangement syndrome is driving me nuts. Not only that, you know, my... Friend. I stayed at hmm. her house as a Democrat.
1: Yeah. Hey, Gene, we're talking about the Hawaii thing uh, yes, right now, and as far as empathy for that, do you do you feel like it's I'm necessary sorry. for the president to have empathy?
4: that's that's what I'm saying. They don't have empathy. There's no empathy. They act like they're altruistic and so wonderful and so loving, and they're hypocritical. You think they it's just he's
1: not good at it, or that he's just uh, unaware? Of uh, how serious this is, like why?
4: No, so many of them are this way. They oh, they cancel you. Oh, and him, Biden. I, you know, he's he's like not always all there. Excuse me to say that, but and yet they love him. He's he's their hero, and they love their party. And they they're they're the least tolerant people. They're so hypocritical. The opposite of love. And they act like they're altruistic and loving. And I'm sorry, it does go along with the water because my friend, she wouldn't put the water on, oh, because there's a shortage and she's all into the environment. And her house is filthy. I'm sorry. I just have.
1: There's a lot of. I I appreciate your call, Jean, on that. I think, you know, I think one of the things that we got to do is realize that I think that there's a lot more empathy out there with people, but we have. Our political leaders, where things are so politicized in different ways, that maybe there is not, you know, maybe sometimes we have leaders who <clears throat> uh, just refuse to see it for what it is. I think that that some leaders are just better at it than others. I'm concerned personally that it's the president is so off on this. That maybe he's just old or maybe he's not good at it or maybe they're not even – maybe he just doesn't know because those stories were so off the wall. I think it's important to be present. I want to be careful about saying that one group of people is this or not. I think you're right that there is a a sense on the, the far left right now that we're seeing in a lot of places of um, – and what we're seeing actually in our culture is so much about self and so much about my rights and my, my rights and how if they trample yours, that's okay. And that's what we're seeing on a lot of the left. Last uh, last uh, hour we talked about, we might talk about it a little more this hour, an uh, event up in Davis, California, where a group of people were meeting at a library to have a conversation about whether or not women or biological men can uh, be on girls' sports teams. And they were not allowed to say it. They were they were moved out of the library and kicked out just for having the discussion, which is an, a honest discussion that we need to have today that we shouldn't have to have but we we need to have it you know what i'm want to stick with here is the the idea of empathy because with biden that's being debated and my my view is he didn't show very good empathy although i am glad that he went i think he went too late there's often this and it's a true discussion about when the president comes, there's a motorcade and there's chaos at the airport and chaos on the highways. And I get that. And sometimes they can get in the way. But this happened uh, almost three weeks ago. He should have been there within a few days. That's that's my opinion. And I think that George W. Bush, he got criticized unfairly a lot for Katrina and he did the flyover and he said some stuff. Um, He should have been on the ground, you know, four or five days. I think he knew that. I think that people understand that. I think that What I want to get at, too, is that this isn't just for presidents. This is for all of us, that to have empathy, to be present, is something that matters, and I think it's okay to demand that of our leaders, and I think it's also okay to demand that they do it well, uh, even if they have to learn something. As a pastor for 25 years, I was much better at it 20 years in than I was on my first day, and I had terrible things to deal with right away, murders and violence and just horrific things and you you go into it, and you don't know what to say. How am I going to go talk to this family who just had a horrific loss of a family member due to violence, okay, due to some tragic event? How do I go to this family who's lost their child? How do I do a funeral for a child? You know, you got to do that as a pastor, and you have to do it for the first time, and then the second time, and I'll tell you what, you never really know what to say, but what you learn pretty quickly is that what begins to matter is that you are there, and then you want to make sure you don't make it about yourself. Uh, and you can empathize with, I know how you feel, if you really do. But be careful with that. Uh, be careful with that. 888 Donna in Covina, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show.
3: Hey, hey, Pastor Scott. Hope you're having a very blessed day. I am, Donna. Um, how are you? Good. Thank you. I don't want to paint people uh, with a wide brush either, because people can be so different. But I have to agree in some respects to the previous caller because I believe that the Democrats are caught up in an ideology. And I think that that ideology can sometimes be uncaring. Like the whole thing with the water, I think it's just that ideology, that kind of like that equality, we have to be this way. And as far as leaders, like going to a place, I think just being there. Same thing with the pastor. You might not know what to say. But being there is it's just so comforting. I know that, you know, and things that I've had happen to me in the past, the fact that the person was just there and cared enough to come, I mean, that is worth its weight in gold. And I know that when we had in California, we had those terrible fires in Paradise, and people wanted to see their senators or their governor. The governor wasn't there until I think maybe five days later when Trump came in and um i know kamala harris put it was i don't know which one did which but kamala harris and diane feinstein one of them put said go to your go to the computer and this i'm going to give you a website and you can go there and get help and the other one put a phone number call this number well what they don't realize is some of these people escaped with the clothes on their back they didn't have a computer and if they had a phone he didn't have a place to charge it in these poor people were living in tents yeah so i think it's really important to be empathetic to these people i i just feel so so badly for these people uh and behind And i think we everyone whoever can go over there in our you know in our government you know really should it's, it's really a shame and i think the president should have been the first one there but anyway
1: yeah i agree he should have been there a lot I sooner think. thank you donna and you know the point about what people believe is is a big one because if decisions are being made because of an ism like you have some sort of belief and you're going to sacrifice people or the ability to be empathetic because you're protecting your political narrative and maybe that happened maybe that's what happened with the water maybe that's happened with other things there There, it's been a disaster at just about every level uh over there from a leadership standpoint sometimes just bad leaders but sometimes it's the, you know there's a reason for the bad leadership and sometimes it is isms right and that's one of the dangers of the arguments we're having of transgenderism and what the reason that parents are protesting downtown going to school boards is because what this ism is doing is causing parents and kids to have medical procedures that will impact their whole life that probably are damaging and in most cases would be not welcome if you just waited up and there's so many so many things to the isms that cause people to make poor moral choices or or cause people to not be empathetic in the name of being empathetic or compassionate. You know open borders is not compassionate when you have children coming over without adult supervision who end up getting trafficked, which we are seeing in very large numbers it's not It is not compassionate to call yourself a sanctuary city. If you're not actually going to take care of people if they show up, which is happening now in Los Angeles and happening in New York and other cities, it's not compassionate to say you're going to be compassionate and then not be compassionate when the opportunity arrives. I get what people are saying with, with all of that. I think that being present matters a lot. I got to take a break, and uh, we'll come back. and see your call, Yvonne, and uh, we'll talk about leaders in our church and, and how just with other believers we can be empathetic and get your thoughts about that as the Pastor Scott Show continues. 888-528-2557. We'll be right back.
2: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show.
5: It is heartbreaking, uh, the fact that um, it is difficult to identify uh, the remains of individuals, as the reporter indicated, uh, when uh, a fire has become virtually an incinerator we have 450 search and rescue personnel we have 40 canines deployed to help uh, identify uh, um, uh, individuals uh, who are deceased and then we will take samples and the like we're going door to door trying to provide information to people we are working with experts so that we are culturally sensitive to the needs uh, of individuals uh, on the island. We're doing everything that we can in a travesty like this.
1: That is Alejandro Majorca, who, uh who is the Homeland Security Director, uh, Secretary, and uh, I don't think he's done that great a job at the uh, the border, as we may have talked about, but he is somebody who is in charge of sending out FEMA and making sure the Federal Emergency Management uh, group is out there at uh, Maui. We've been talking about uh, the need for leaders to be empathetic, and I think they do. I think that president Biden's getting a lot of criticism today for uh, stories he told and kind of some things that he did out there that are kind of his usual political routine. Uh, maybe there's some excuse for that i'm glad that he went. I think he should have been out there a couple of weeks ago. I think it matters to be present. I think that really it really matters and when we think about this and we sort of take the politics out of it you know, do leaders in our regular lives need to be empathetic? And as Christians, I think obviously we do. I think that that we have a role to, to be that way. Romans twelve fifteen tells us rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That is part of being empathetic. That is part of uh, our job, actually. And I think, you know, when we talk about leadership, and it's something I think that we're we're lacking in in so many ways. Leaders are people who are able to relate to people well enough that they can cast, you know, they can lead people to where they ought to be, not just where they want to go. You know, it's one of the problems we have in in politics or in some leaders. You know, you can be a political leader, or you can be a pastor, you can be a a manager, or you can just be a parent, and you're in a leadership role. You can lead people where they want to go. You can lead your kids where they want to go and just do whatever they say and do whatever they want, but you're not being a good parent. That's easy to do that. As a leader, part of what you got to do is be present and take people and go with them to where they ought to be. And in tragedies like this, you know where a person ought to be is with people where where people ought to be is in a place where in the church is with them. And you have scriptures all the way through that talk about Empathy, That talk about caring for others and being about others. When we talk about leadership, I want to remind all of us that we're all leaders in our own capacity. You're a leader in one way or another. You may not have the title. And I think that's where maybe that's where this breaks down is that some people have a title in leadership and that title might mean something. Right, I One time I was working for a big company called SAIC, Science Applications International Corporation. It used to be this monster company. Uh, this is the Pastor Scott Show, by the way. Number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. Um, and uh, I had a terrible title that had nothing to do with my job, really. And they said, you need a new title. And I said, yes, I do. And they said, well, we'll pick one. And I said, I get to pick my title? They said, yeah. And I said, well, what are my uh, boundaries? You know, they said, well, you can't be a president or a vice president because they had a leadership structure and there were presidents of divisions and then there were vice presidents. You know how that goes in a lot of uh, uh, companies. And uh, I said, "Okay, I could have been director. I could have had lots of different titles. And uh, uh, the title I chose was emperor. And I was going to be the emperor of telecom. I was in their telecommunications department at that point and i wrote that down i wrote that down on the there's a whole form you had to fill out for your title and i wrote down emperor and they the first person i took it to was a corporate vice president his name was ed and ed stamped the form put his signature right on it and said uh, all right very good just signed it handed it back to me and i was stunned and i wondered i walked out of his office holding onto it and i thought did he actually read this there's no way he read this cuz i was you know it's kind of a joke obviously and I'll tell you what, I went to I had to get three more signatures and I got the next two. And then I filled out the form for the business cards. I had business. There was a printing you know, department right there. I was going to walk out of the last office and have my business cards printed right in front of me. And they would have said Scott Furrow, emperor of telecom. It was going to be amazing and uh and i didn't care if they fired me for that i just i thought this will be so great to have that and i took it in and the last person to read it her name was pam she actually read the form and she kind of slams down on the desk with her hands she goes you can't be emperor like, dang it i almost got to be emperor anyway titles don't mean anything i had the same job regardless of whether the title is you know they, they mean something as far as salary and structure but real leaders you become that because of your influence. And you may have no title in your job. You might not have any authority. You might be the, the cashier at a Walmart. You might be just somebody who shows up at your, your Bible study or you show up at church and you don't have a role. But can I tell you, you are a leader. You influence people. You just do. There is a pastor friend of mine who brought in a consultant. I might have told this story a few weeks ago, but uh, maybe I didn't, my wife will remind me. Uh, So they bring in this consultant because they're having trouble with new people staying. And they had this wonderful lady who was this usher or greeter, right? And people loved her, she'd been doing it for years and she would walk people to their seats. And uh, everybody thought she was just friendly and she'd been there a hundred years and just lovable person. And the consultants figured out that when she was walking people to their seats, if they had a uh, shirt on that was untucked, okay, or anybody she's walking to the seat, she would kind of take their hand and put it on your back. Imagine you're going to church and it's brand, you're brand new, you're nervous, you're checking the thing out, and somebody is kind of rubbing your back as they walk you down the aisle to your seat. And it turned out that if your shirt was untucked, she would put her hand under your shirt and rub your bare skin, <laughs> And I think that she thought she was being friendly. That's what even the consultant said. We don't think that she's got like these other problems, but this is a problem. And they said, there's a lot of things that you need to do better at, but she's the reason your church isn't growing. And he said, the pastor said, "Uh, are you going to tell her? And they said, no, it's your job to tell her. And he had to deal with that. Uh, You know, I got to tell you that moving to a new town and uh, looking to be a part of a church is an interesting thing. And some of the churches that we tried out, the reason we're not there is because, not because of the pastor, pastors have all been good. You know, we look at the Statement of Faith and we watch online, we kind of know what we're going to expect these days when we go to a church. And music's all been good, it's all been fine. But man, there's, there's one place we went to where just everybody we sat by was annoyed that we came in and sat by them. You could just tell, it was just this weird tension of being annoyed, oh great, new people. And uh one person, one place, uh, they give you a coffee, you know, right before you go in. That's a good sign for a church for me. I'm like, oh, good coffee. And uh, they're giving out the coffee right in front of the door, but they don't tell you that you're not allowed in there. And then the usher literally yelled at all of us <laughs> for carrying in the thing that they just handed us. And I thought, wow, you know, that was an interesting uh, aspect of that church. You never know. See, and those are those are tiny things that are all of us. We all need to be empathetic. And can I tell you this, in your your Christian walk, your, your pastor or your deacons or whoever is in charge of or a part of visitation and being with people who are hurting, they certainly have a job to do and a role. They need to be empathetic. But you also do, that every person that you come into contact with, whether it's a church or in your workplace or someplace else, you know, you have a particular leadership role. You may not realize it till now, but you do. And it is to be empathetic, to be kind, to be welcoming. You don't have to make everybody your best friend. That's not possible, right? But you can direct people in the right way. First Peter 3.8 says, finally, all of you, that means all of us, have unity of mind. It's purpose, right? We need to have the same purpose. Sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind ephesians four thirty two be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. There are so many examples of the attitude that we are to have galatians six two bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. so many different things. this is why uh leaders need to be compassionate and need to have empathy. It's because these things that we're we're talking about here, these instructions for us in scripture they're not just instructions for putting an organization together. They're instructions for being effective at life and being effective at whatever it is God has called you to do. The way that we treat others is something that will determine how effective we are in whatever it is God has called us to do, whether it's some big thing that other people are going to see and make judgments about, or maybe it's something that only God is going to see, and only God or the people that you interact with will will see these things really matter. And if you wonder why this is a controversy with President Biden, or if there's questions about, you know, other presidents who have been there or not been there or done well in leadership, it's because there's something in us, and I think God put it there, that we understand and we know something, that we need to be with people, that there is something about being right as human beings to be with people as they go through their hard times, but also their good times. We mourn with those who mourn, we rejoice with those who rejoice. It's also good, by the way, to go visit when somebody has a victory, when something really happens, when the cancer is in remission, when the person gets accepted into the college that they want to, when somebody gets a new job, when they're, you know, celebrate with people too. It's the the other side of it. Being present, I think, on the the happier times of life also matters a lot. All right, this is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557, 888 528 Two five five seven. We will be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned.
2: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at Pastorscott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from three to five PM. Now back to the show.
4: Can I just ask you why you think it's okay for males to play in female sports? Hey, stop misgendering people.
3: How is that misgendering? I think it's really disrespectful to not refer to trans women as women because they are women. But they're and biological. what you're doing right now is transphobia. Please go away. But they're biological Please go males. away. Please go away. Interesting. Can I ask you why you think that males should be in female sports? Stop misgendering people. That's bigotry, go away. That's a question. It's bigotry, go away. Do you want to have want Go be question. transphobic, sports not to control. a child. Kids
0: should what?
1: That's part right. of a conversation. We played uh, some of that earlier that happened outside of a library in Davis, California, where the discussion was going to be about the whether or not biological males should participate in women's sports. And a big part of what happened here is that the entire conversation was shut down. Meaning you're not allowed to say it. In fact, it was stated by the head librarian that it's not even legal uh, to actually say.
4: You have to do
1: the Sure. State
5: state law, California state law, recognizes transgender as a, as protected. And so I was telling her if you're speaking about a transgender female, they need to be referred to as a female. Transgender male needs to be referred to as a male. And if there's any mis- misgendering. We will um, ask if it's by any of the organizers. They will be asked to leave. There's no, no exceptions. If we're having problems in the audience, um, you know, we may give one warning. I'll be in there the whole time. So that's
1: it. The entire purpose of the discussion that was reserved, basically to have this discussion, was to talk about that issue. But if you're not allowed to say it, if you're not allowed to differentiate between a female and a trans female, a woman and a trans, then you can't have the conversation then because words are how we communicate. Right. And there is a differentiation in those two things. You can't have this discussion. And I think that there's, as this becomes a thing, there is more and more a sense that we have that, you know, I think that the, the, the tipping point has actually happened in this. I think that, you know, in a couple of years, this is going to roll back probably have no idea why but it doesn't it's not something that works logically and as the argument flows when you get to a place where you're just not allowed to say it you know then we have to make a decision in as a culture when do we get to say it and when do we not you know what kinds of things you're just not allowed to say these things are impactful because if it does go that way then, what else is it going to impact? What kinds of things are going to be controversial that you're just not going to be allowed to say? There are some things that people say that are horrifically bad, but if we can't discuss them, if we can't even use the language to discuss it, then that bad thought is going to kind of go underground, and maybe people will start to think that it's that it's right. You know, I think that there is a a danger in how things get handled sometimes, where you, you might be correct as far as what is truthful in your argument, but if you're, the argument that you make, you're, you're rude or disrespectful, or if you just shut down the other side and, and you can't have the conversation, then I think it, it can make you wrong, right? Or the other side might even think that you're wrong. We have to make sure, and by we, I mean people who believe in free speech and people who believe that there are truths in this world that cannot be denied or changed. That's a big part of it, right, that, that there are things that are actually true, and if you want to debate things that are true, um, you shouldn't, you know, you, if you're going to say that, that men can have babies, we should be able to have that conversation. Uh, and I think it's impactful because if that happens, it's impactful for a lot of things, then what about religious faith? At what point are you not allowed to have the religious faith that you have? And as Christians, you know, at what point are we not allowed to share the gospel, at what point are we not allowed to say, Jesus died for your sins? You know, something that simple. You know, how can we, you know, is it possible that we will enter a phase, and I think it's definitely possible, where we would not be allowed to say, Jesus uh, loves you. You know, something that is, it would just seem to be very, very simple like that and not offensive. But if the idea of Jesus is offensive, And if we reach a point in our society where you just can't say anything that somebody appears to be or believes is offensive, which we're very close to that. That's why I think it's probably going to fall for now. Maybe not and in the future. I think it comes back. But I think that that it's so absurd right now. I think people are realizing that. Uh, What concerns me, though, with all of this is it becoming entwined in the politics and it becomes left and right. See, I think that 80, 90 percent of Democrats and Republicans actually tend to agree that we should be allowed to discuss this, that this event that happened at this library should have been allowed to proceed whether or not you are comfortable with it or not. And there are people in there from both sides. And I've watched some of the videos from downtown Los Angeles today where a parental uh, a protest was for parents. Um, saying don't take away our rights and something that's going to happen in school districts one after the other. I think a Murrieta one is now an Orange County one actually is considering uh, a ruling that would say that teachers and school administrators have to inform parents within three days if a child decides that they are have changed their gender or they want to use new pronouns or they're getting into all of that. Uh, as a parent, I think parents need to know that. Uh The state is saying that they don't, that they don't need to know that. Uh, it is a horrific thing. Well, what happens when your child is being indoctrinated with other stuff? What if it is religion? I mean, even if you are, if you send your kid to a Christian school, then then that Christian school should be upfront in saying, "Hey, we're going to teach Christianity." When I ran the preschool, that's what we said. We handed it in writing to parents. This is very specifically what we are going to teach your child. And if you don't believe it, and half half of the kids in our preschool came from non-Christian families because the preschools were in a, a business area. It was a perfectly located place. And, you know, those parents were aware. And only one time in all my years did some parent complain that we taught their child that God created the world. Uh, we didn't even get into all the arguments, just that you have a creator, you're made in God's image. And then, but the, the good thing is we were able to say, look, uh, here is the paperwork we gave you when you signed up for this. And it says right there, this is what we will teach your child. That's different, right? You choose that as a parent it would be different if you dropped your kid off at school and they were being taught religion or even Christianity or anything else, and you were not told, you were not allowed to be told. That's what this is. Since it gets tied up in the politics, what worries me is that if it becomes just Republicans and Democrats or left versus right, we're going to miss how dangerous this is for all of us. And as as Christians, you know, we want to never lose our hope that whatever happens that somehow we're going to lose, uh, that the church is going to lose. It might even be better for the church, frankly, if the church became illegal or legally uh, constricted in such a way in our country. The church, interestingly enough, throughout the world does tends to do better when it's persecuted, actually. I think it's because we push away all the fluff, right? We push away all the stuff that gets in the way of us doing the work of evangelism and discipleship. And uh, so it's not bad, whatever happens. But in the meantime, you know, our country is so significant in global Christianity and sending missionaries and in sending help to places, particularly of extreme poverty. You know, the church really is the hope in a lot of these areas because we're bringing not just Christ, which is the number one thing, but we're also bringing food and we're bringing structure. We're bringing what we talked about in the last hour, a Judeo-Christian ethic. And when you have that, societies grow and things do better. That's just the way it is. And the fight will always be against that because that's what the evil evil one is doing. All this is to say, as these things keep coming up, make sure that we realize in our conversations that we do care about people even who disagree with us. That our goal, I think, is to be persuasive. If you're not persuasive, you're going to lose, right? Because eventually the vote comes or whatever happens, people make their decision, and if you haven't persuaded people to see your side of it uh, in a friendly way, they're not going to vote your way and you will lose, and we will lose our freedoms in that. If if the Christian or the person who is really fighting for truth is not seen uh, and not received as somebody who is concerned about the rights of everybody, then will lose that. It's a, it's a very odd thing, but that's how that works. So keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels, the book of Hebrews tells us, without knowing it. And continue to remember those people in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. There's so much in there to unpack. Um, And when we do that well as a church, we have an incredible impact on the conversation and culture. And that is a really good thing for us. Hey, everybody, had a great day today with you. As usual, Pastor Scott Show. You can watch the Pastor Scott Show on kkla.com. And if you miss an hour of our show, subscribe to the Pastor Scott Show podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow us now on social media. So we just started, uh, we have a Twitter or an X, they call it now, and uh, also Instagram. Look for Pastor Scott Show on both of those or wherever you get your your socials. We'll probably get around to most of them eventually at Pastor Scott Show and uh, follow us us there. We're looking forward to connecting with you each and every day there. We're on every day from 3 to 5. God bless you, everybody. I am Pastor Scott Furrow, and as we we leave today, just want to remind you that uh, uh, you can go out there and love the people that God has placed in your life, and be compassionate, be empathetic to what people are going through. God bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow